It just occurs to me this morning, like, our position in the kingdom. And I was just thinking about how, you know, it's sometimes strange or hard to understand or picture or figure out, like, in our humanness, um, the Trinity, right? Like that God is three in one. But I was also thinking this morning as we worship how we are so many things. Um, we're children, we're sons and daughters, we're priests, we're warriors, we're commissioned officers, we're, you know, ones who've been sent. Um, and we are so many things at the same time, just like God is so many things to us. And, and we are all of those things because of him, because of his sacrifice, and none of those things because of anything we've done. Just, I don't know, wonderful. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us and all that you are, God, for all that you've given us, making us kings and priests and sons and daughters and heirs to your kingdom, even though we don't deserve it. Hmm. Thank you, God. I would invite anybody from the ministry team, if you've got anything to share, please come up, share. Good morning, kings and priests of the Most High God. Um, one of the things that what my wife and I were discussing this morning is, why do we go to this church? And it, the answer was, it was pretty simple, actually. It's not a place of religion. It's a place of Jesus. You know, religion says, you know, you haven't earned enough. You haven't done enough to make it to heaven. But the word says, Jesus died so that we could have it all. He died once and for all. Religion also says God is mad at you. You know, that he's holding a hammer over your head waiting to beat on you for doing something. But the word says that we have been redeemed from the curse and that his anger and wrath were poured out on his son for our sakes. You know, the Lord wants to give us good things. He loves us dearly. He wants the one-on-one. -on -one. So, if anything you take away from that, that's what it is. God wants the relationship with us. <laughs> so, just during worship, um, just the thing that the Lord really impressed on me is that he's like, I have already, I have paid for it all. It is, it's already yours. Um, you wouldn't go to um, you wouldn't go to the grocery store and uh, leave a package of uh, your groceries there on the counter. Oh no no, I don't deserve that. Oh I haven't been good enough, you know. And what the Lord's saying is, I've already paid for that. So take it, take it all. I've paid for, I've paid for your health. I have paid for your sound mind. I have paid for your abundance. I have paid for your relationships. And so don't be deceived out of 
out of those things because he has already paid for it. It is not a matter of being good enough, being right enough. Um, I suppose we could be way off, but it's still ours. <laughs> so he has paid for it all. So just um, know that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. Just step into it. One last thing. When those thoughts do come in, the condemning thoughts, and they will, um, it says to take those thoughts captive and picture yourself as John at the Last Supper. Mm. Basically, what he was doing is he was just leaning on Jesus' chest, just resting there, just resting in Jesus. Excuse me this morning, my throat's a little scratchy. Um, <clears throat> the Lord's really been really pressing on me about a lot of things, <clears throat> but mainly there's two things that I would like to share with you, I believe is a corporate word. He calls us to step out in faith. I mean, he wants to increase our faith because I believe we're in a season that he, we are going to see great and mighty things to glorify him. When we step out in faith, mountains move. Doors open, they get blown off the hinges. Hearts are healed, people are delivered. It's just going to be an amazing time to watch him, but when we step out in faith, he honors that. The other thing that he's been talking to me about as I came in the uh, jet back from Reno, I was praying for the young lady next to me. Um, just got a sense that there was something going on with her and I turned my face to the window and I, he, he said, pray in tongues, pray in the spirit. And I had gotten away from doing that because I'd, I'd been in the wilderness for a while. And as I was praying in the spirit, he told me to pray for several other people and it went on and on and on. And then he said, share this with your team because there are so many things that are hidden that we don't know about. He's creating this tapestry and he's weaving all of these things into the tapestry, some that are beautiful and glistening, bright and vibrant, but he's also weaving in those pieces that might be dark, that might be rough, that might be coarse. We don't always see that tapestry in whole. We, can, we see in part, right? We know in part. When you flip over that tapestry, most often, sometimes you find a tapestry where the ends are woven in. Most often they're not. So behind that tapestry, there's ends that we don't know. There's things that are happening that we don't know, things we don't understand, we don't perceive, <clears throat> even in our daily life. There's things that weigh us down, just in daily living. Pray in the Spirit. And the thing that he showed me when I started praying in the Spirit is he was standing with his right hand on my shoulder. And before me, everything was lit up, and I had a flamethrower, and I was throwing those flames out. Everything that was not of him, every godly, unclean, foul thing was scurrying like cockroaches when you turn on the light. They don't want to be around you praying in the spirit. They don't want to hear it. So I just want to encourage you that he is the one who is still working the tapestry. He's the one that's completing it. Just, just pray and watch what happens. We've already seen results. So... Thank you, Lord. <laughs> That's interesting. That, yeah. <laughs> I was feeling, I was looking out there to 
today and seeing all the rubble. And I felt like God said, sometimes that's what life looks like or feels like. But, and we feel buried in that. We feel like it's too messy to get around or to climb over. But that he's not going to abandon us. He, he is going to make it just like the other part over there where it's clean and smooth. And sometimes he has to move dirt around or, or whatever. But that he's always in the midst of that whenever that, when we feel that. That could preach. <clears throat> Keep going. That could preach. Yeah. yeah. Behold, he makes all things new. You know, he is all about bringing newness of life. He sees every, man, this just gets me emotional. Why do, does this happen to me? Every time I start talking about the heart. Teresa, last week, who was here? When we had our first prophetic appointment with her four years ago we've never had one of those before after she said I see a church steeple and a bell are you wanting to plant a church she looked at me and said I see heart terrors <laughs> it was all over from there <laughs> oh man whoosh <laughs> okay, I'm, okay. okay I'm regrouping there we go you can preach if you want. No. so he sees he sees every broken place he sees every father wound and mother wound. He sees every brother and sister wound. He sees all of those things. He cares so much for our hearts. <laughs> Sometimes, I was just looking out there again, and it looks like a little bit of foundation out there. And sometimes we have to go back and we have to rebuild our foundation with sturdy posts metal beams that won't be shaken in our lives. I was thinking, we have a friend in, in Reading, when she had her house built, her intercessor, she's part of the intercessor, I can't even talk, intercessory prayer team at Bethel, and she had their team come over and write scripture on all of her posts, on, and they prayed over all the corners, and I thought, that is so awesome. Every board in that house has scripture on it and it's just a reflection I think of when we're in God's word and and just letting him build into us that's such a a huge thing yeah yeah that particular sister if you ever watch like live Bethel worship sometimes you'll see her in the back in the shadows with her hands raised she's interceding over the the worship team but she said that after her husband died, who uh, struggled with PTSD for decades, he's a Vietnam vet, um, after he passed away, they came and they reclaimed the ground. They drove stakes into the corners of the property. And I just, I feel like that just ties in again to how he cares about your heart and he wants to reestablish. He wants to, he wants to reignite. He wants to build up the broken down places. He wants to take the valleys and raise them up and take the mountains and bring them low. He wants a smooth playing field. He wants you to just be able to run unhindered right into his presence, right into intimacy with him. So Teresa had spoken that over me. You know, I had heart tears. And we had been given a word multiple times over the last few years about God calling us to heal hearts. And I know it's big on his heart to see people's hearts restored because the enemy, he's a stinker. He's a stinker. I'm being polite. 
could call him a lot of things. But he is a stinker, and he wants to try to, to bind us up. He wants to try to strap you down, strap you with hurts and lies, things that you might just be perceiving that may not even be true. He wants to break those things. Jesus wants to break those things off because as we were singing, hallelujah, it is finished. Hallelujah, it is done. He's king forever and he is coming and coming and coming over and over into our lives, into every season, into every place in our hearts and he's bringing his sword and he is slamming his sword down on those lies. So I'm just gonna declare that now. If you feel like you've been trapped in lies, he's gonna break it this, this day. I'm not going to do anything weird or, or, you know, strange. He's going to do it. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. But I am going to declare something over us. I felt like during worship, I was reminded of the, uh, who knows Jack Hayford? Do you guys know who Jack Hayford is? Okay. If you're in the four-score denomination like I was and where I met Tammy for, for a decade, my first 10 years is where I, I cut my teeth there and abundant life here in Bremerton. And, uh, but Jack Hayford's song, Many of you might know this. This is a powerful song, and I feel like this, this song, the words of this song are for us this morning. We serve a king. We're not Republicans and Democrats. We are monarchists. <laughs> we have a king, and he rules and reigns, and he's inviting all of us to come up into his victory and stand with the victorious king and receive and inherit and release that victory here on the earth. On earth, just as it is in heaven. So Jack Hayford, I think he wrote this song. I'm pretty sure everyone refers to him as this song, but it's called Majesty. If you're, if you're old enough, I'm old enough to remember this song, and I'm not going to sing it. I'll spare your ears. But I'm going to declare it, and I'm going to pray this over us, and then we'll get into a little bit of teaching here, hopefully. Yeah, we got lots of time. So why don't we just assume the position, you know, close your eyes if you want, put your hands out. So we just worship you, King Jesus. We love you. We just want to see more glimpses of your glory. We want to see you reigning and ruling over every, every circumstance, every place where your kingdom is not reigning and ruling. We want to see it come. We want to see your kingdom, your rule, your government come. We want to see your power breaking into all of these places. So we declare these words, and I, I speak these words of this song over us today. Majesty, we worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority, flows from his throne unto his own, his anthem raise. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus, Magnify, come glorify Christ Jesus the King. Majesty, worship his majesty. Jesus who died, now glorified, the King of all kings. Jesus, it's all about you being king. You are my king. And if you agree with that, just tell him now, you are my king. You are the king of my heart, the king of my life. You're the king of my past, my present, and my future. You saved me and redeemed me, not to fall away from you, not to be trapped in the lies of the, the devil, 
but you saved me and you brought me into a solid place to stand and you've created me and designed me to run with your spirit, to come into agreement, to come into perfect alignment with your spirit and run after you as my eyes are fixed on Jesus, my King. So today we just declare who you are in our lives and we declare our hearts as yours in Jesus' name. Makes me want to sing that song, but that would not work. (laughs) 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 Gotta make sure I'm on the right notes here. I'm just kind of numb for a second, so sorry. (laughs) Okay, are you good? I'm good. Okay. So this morning, I think it's, it's time to focus a little bit on the apostolic. <laughs> if you've been here for a while, for like six months or more, I've been promising. We've, we bring Ephesians 4.11 up to the screen usually, and we read that you know, Christ gave these gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and usually that's as far as we get. I'm like, sorry guys, we're out of time. But you know, he interrupts the, the plan and I'm good with that. But this morning I said, no, Lord. No, 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 I didn't, honestly. I didn't say that. I did feel like he was, I did feel like he was smiling over me this morning and he's like, I'm gonna let you go ahead and do it. But just be ear turned, just in case he changed his mind. You know, I don't know how it all works, but I know that as we cooperate with him in the day-to-day, in the night before Sundays and the Sunday mornings, it, he's not a dictator. He doesn't force you to come to church. He doesn't force people who, he's probably drawing people who need to receive what we all carry. But if we don't cooperate, the message may change. I may prepare something, but if they give in and say, you know, I'm just too tired, I'm sleeping in today, it's gonna be a nice day, I'm gonna garden instead, you know. That God bless them, that's okay. He still loves them, but the message may change. So I, that's my interpretation of how things kind of flow. I don't know, maybe I'm way wrong on that. He's pretty smart. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is brilliant, as Graham Cook says. He's, he's brilliant. He is brilliant. Whenever you're facing, oh, here we go. We're gonna get off this. Whenever you're facing difficult circumstances, situations that don't make sense, and you need wisdom, he is brilliant. He is so smart. He's got the answer for everything we face because your life, if you listen to Graham Cook, you'll know I'm quoting him basically, your life is wrapped up in Jesus. And if you are in Christ, every situation you face has a breakthrough with it. So you can rejoice in all of your trials and tribulations. You could just be like, yes, Jesus, I get an upgrade today. Because things are looking bad, that means I get an upgrade. If you want to partner with heaven, I believe that's a good word from Graham. But yeah. Okay. So, you know, Teresa was here last week, and um, she mentioned, you know, this thing of inheritance. It is a big deal on our hearts. It really resounds when we felt that Legacy City Church was something that God was highlighting to us, that word legacy. You know, it's the same word as inheritance, heritage, legacy. 
Jesus paid the highest price for us to receive all the spiritual blessings, as Ephesians 1 says, all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. And all means all. We have access. But there's, there needs to be revelation. There needs to be understanding. We need to be able to have faith to pull those things from the heavenly realm into earth. So much happens in the place of worship. You know, we're declaring, we're singing, we're, we're praying to him with songs. And his presence is coming in powerful ways. And breakthroughs happen just in that place of worship. It's because of what we're partnering with. So when we partner with heaven, when we agree and we say yes and amen to his promises, they begin to break into our lives. It's, it's amazing. God is so good. So let's just take a look. We're going to get rolling or else we're never going to get there. And I'm, I'm determined this morning. <laughs> let's put the first passage up, Isabel. You're laughing at me. My girl's laughing at me over there. So Ephesians chapter 2, let's start with this. You all know Ephesians 4.11 by now. If you've been around long enough, if you don't, you know, he gave the fivefold ministry to the church to equip us. They're the equipping gifts to equip us to do the works of ministry, not to do all the works of ministry up front in front of everyone so that we can be like, wow, what a prophet. Wow, what an evangelist. What a teacher, pastor. And we just stay emasculated in our seats and never walk in the fullness of Christ. Is that okay to say that word, emasculated? Okay, that's the polite way. Neutered. (laughs) Spayed and neutered. My dad and mom worked at pause for years, so I could say spayed and neutered. You know, the enemy wants to keep you neutered and spayed. He doesn't want you to reproduce. He doesn't want you to grow in who Christ has made you and designed you to become. But the fivefold ministry was given to the church to equip us to do the work of ministry. And we're not going to go into that part today. But Ephesians 2 So this is from the Passion Translation, which you probably know I love it by now. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you, the ones who were distant and to those who are near. And now, because we are united to Christ, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Now that's a good word right there. Back up real quick. Back up, girl. You're so quick to change the slides on me. (laughs) Jesus paid the price for you to have an open heaven access to the Father 24-7. He is your high priest. He is the mediator between God and man, and he intercedes for us constantly. And the Holy Spirit also intercedes with us with words, groans that we can't even understand. Okay, now you can go on to the next one. But you've got access. Don't forget that. Just think of it. You've got the backstage pass. It's always attached to you, but it's not backstage. It's right up in front through the curtain into the Holy of Holies. You have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. There's no debt to stand between you and God anymore. Yeah, you might have to get your feet washed. You might have to get brushed off. But he doesn't say you can't come into my presence until you fix all that first. He says come into my presence and then receive mercy and grace for your time of need. Because you're my son, you're my daughter, and I don't want you to be afraid to come to me. Because I took care of this thing and I want you to come and walk in it. I want you to come and get refreshed in it. And remember who you are. Remember what I did for you. So, we have access. So you are not foreigners or guests 
but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. If you don't take home anything today other than that, that you have all rights as family members of the household of God, that you're children of the city of the holy ones, you are not a sinner saved by grace. You are a saint who occasionally sins. You need to convince yourself of who you are. It's very important to God. It's very important that you don't remain outside of what he paid for and calls you. The enemy wants to pull you out of who you truly are. He wants to cut you off. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. He wants to neuter you. Uh, he wants to cut you off from Christ. He wants you to not be maturing and growing up in him who is the head so that when you grow up in him who is the head, you can hear his voice and hear his thoughts and you can know the mind of Christ because you're intimate with him and you're growing up in him. Bye, guys. We love you, Fitzhughes. Take good care of my babies as they go. They're going to go do some indoor skydiving. Have fun. Break a leg. No. <laughs> and the Aflac duck flies in. Because I said break a leg. Anyway, you're, you guys don't. Never mind. Okay, so let's go on here. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple. You are rising. You are not shrinking down and crumbling apart. If you feel like you are, don't agree with your feelings. Like Sharon said, I think, last week, pull, that, pull those thoughts like the dog by the collar and make them bow to Jesus. My feelings are my feelings, but they aren't always fact and truth. In fact, facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> it's one of our friends likes to say. Anyway, I know Tammy. She's like, come on, stay on track. We're doing good. We're really doing good. We're getting there. We're almost to the finish line. So your stones of the temple that are fitted together, rising up, okay, you're being built up. Your lives are being built together upon the ideal foundation laid by the, okay, it's time to go home now, <laughs> by the apostles and the prophets and best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. So when we look at this, yeah, don't disappear yet on me. When we look at this, there's a foundation that God wants us to have. It's a foundation built on the apostles and the prophets. Now you can Google it and look it up and you'll see pictures that I, I don't agree with. They'll say, the apostles and the prophets are the 12 apostles in the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament coming together in Christ. That is not, I don't believe that's what that means. Because if you go on to Ephesians 4.11, it says that he gave the apostles and the prophets as well as the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. By the way, only time in the Bible that pastor is mentioned but we want to put that title on people all over the world. I'm not against being called, you can call me pastor, I, I, I'm kind of getting used to it now. and It's kind of cute, but, you know, ah, pastor. What if we start having elders and deacons in the church and we wear badges that says Elder Smith, but then that would look like Mormons and whatever. So he gave those five, those five gifts, <laughs> 
Sorry, I know this is goofy. <laughs> Trying to be serious here. Tammy, you can take the microphone anytime <laughs> you want. He gave those gifts to us to equip us so that we could do the work of ministry and build the body of Christ up to full maturity until that happens. Those gifts were given until that happens. There's nowhere in there that the gifts cease. And I think we're in a church here where everyone here agrees that the gifts did not die with the apostles and the closing of the canon, which we call the Bible. You know, when it says that the imperfect will, you know, fade, when the perfect when the perfection comes or the perfect comes, that's not, I don't know how you can read that to mean when the Bible's complete. It's just weird. Anyway, so foundation, apostles and prophets. Now, is this about men and women or is this about God? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Sorry. I was just, I'm thinking out loud. It's actually about him because Jesus Christ is our apostle. Hebrews 3.1 says that he is our chief apostle. Jesus himself was on an apostolic mission. Apostle means sent one. An apostle, and we're going to look at it in a second here, is someone who's from one kingdom representing it into a, a new territory. They're being sent for a purpose. And he is our prophet. He is our prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is our example for everything, for life, for ministry, for what we should aim for because he said just as he was in the world, so shall we be. I don't know the address, but I know it's in there somewhere. But we are to be like him in the earth. Doesn't mean we're deity, and I know there are weird theologies these days that says you're included in the Trinity now. You're God just as much as he is. No, no, sorry, no. <laughs> That's not going to happen here, so if that offends you, I'm sorry, but we can just clean things up now, and you know, we'll see you on the way up. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so let's go on. Actually, I have next. Uh-oh, what happened to my notes? Uh-oh, did you just delete everything? No. I just hit, like I was going to edit something. Okay, so that, that scripture, it's important then to realize that it's God's plan, it's his intent that the church, that, it, that believers have a foundation that is apostolic and prophetic. So we're gonna take a little look at some things here in just a second. I'm gonna figure out where we're at. So Ephesians 2, 17 through 20, it tells us about the apostolic prophetic foundation. We all know Ephesians 4, 11, the fivefold ministry. Okay, so now we're gonna have a little fun. I'm going to read you guys a little story from a really good book, and I would encourage you to get this book. It's by Danny Silk, and it's called A Culture of Honor. A Culture of Honor. It has changed so much of how we think. I think we've actually caught more from our exposure to Bethel teaching over the years more so than just reading the book. But I'm gonna read something really fun about the fivefold ministry to you guys. So you ready? You'll, it'll be up on the screen so you can read it with me. Basically, this is gonna be a picture of a car crash scene, a car accident. If you've read the book, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about here. But if you haven't, buckle your seatbelt. Because here we go. The fivefold ministry shows up to the, to the accident scene. Who's up first? The pastor. He's the first one out of the car. 
He scrambles to access the situation and begins a triage approach in applying first aid to injured victims. He gathers blankets, jackets, water, anything else he can find to try to comfort them. He surveys the situation to see if anything is threatening the safety of both those who are receiving care and those who have been drawn to the scene of the accident. He talks with each person to find out his or her name, your marital status, whether he or she has children, he gathers your vital signs, sign information in order to help the emergency response team when they arrive. He brings a sense of calm to the situation. That's such a good pastor. He brings a sense of calm to the situation. I shouldn't have did that because now I lost my spot. <laughs> right there. And each person feels a genuine feeling of care and connection to the pastor. He wonders whether he should have been a doctor. Hmm. Doesn't that sound like the pastor? Okay, Bell's going to make me go forward. So the teacher is next on the scene. Now, this is my favorite one. He studies the situation in order to figure out what caused the accident. He steps back, notices patterns of the skid marks, the distance each car moved before and after the impact, and estimates the speed of each car at the point of impact. Drawing from his deep knowledge of the driver's manual and the traffic laws, he develops a theory about who is at fault. His conclusion is that, overall, most drivers need more training and would most likely benefit from mandatory classes and continuing education requirements. <laughs> Sounds like the teacher. <laughs> the evangelist. Here you go, if you're an evangelist in the room. He arrives, he or she arrives on the scene and asks, everyone lying in a safe, and asks, everyone lying in a safe, comfortable place, thanks to the pastor, if you were to die as a result of your injuries, do you know where you would go, heaven or hell? He then notices that there's a very large gathering of bystanders and people in cars who have pulled over to watch. <laughs> he begins to address the larger crowd with the same question. There are no guarantees that you will make it home safely. Do you know where you would go? People give their hearts to the Lord right there on the side of the road. He explains to all these new believers that the greatest gift you could ever give to someone else is the gift of salvation. He trains them to lead others to Christ and prays for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon them all. Afterwards, he says, that was great, and decides to purchase a police scanner <laughs> where he can get back to, camp, back to town. Danny Silk is so awesome to write this stuff. The prophet. <laughs> I think this is going to resonate with a lot of you in the room. The prophet knew this was going to happen because he had a dream about it the previous night. Because everyone in the dream had survived the accident, he rebukes the spirit of death and declares with great faith and unction that all shall live and none shall die. He also proclaims that there are angels surrounding the scene of the accident and prays that the eyes of all the people's hearts will be open to see in the spirit. Then he walks around and starts to call the destiny out in various people. He releases the spirit of revelation within the group. And finally, and quite naturally, he begins to ask around to find out who is in charge at the scene. When he discovers no, the one in charge, he discerns whether this is God's chosen leader or not. Or if he finds there's no one in charge, he will appoint a leader. <laughs> the apostle. Now, here's the one where I think most of us are like, what is the apostolic? This is just a fun little example. The apostle prays for the injured. He invites the supernatural healing touch of God into the scene. 
He begins to tell testimonies of when he has been, sorry, typo, when he has been on the scene of car accidents and witness the power of God manifest itself in those situations. The faith level of the people begins to rise. He then asks if anyone can feel heat in his or her hands. He puts those who raise their hands to work. (laughs) Sounds like our living room the other night. And I'm not saying I'm an apostle. I'm apostolic. He puts those who raise their hands to work, praying for others to be healed. He demonstrates to all who are near that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He then opens a school for those who arrive at the car accident scenes and sends them all over the world to do signs and wonders. Wow. I had to share that with you guys because it just gives you this fun little movie-like picture to put in your imagination of the nuances and the, the personality things that kind of flow with all of those. Now, you might find, wow, there's something in every one of those that I do. I can see parts of the prophet in my life. I can see parts of the apostle. I can see parts of the evangelist. I can definitely see parts of the teacher because that has been a passion of mine from my, chi- my childhood in the faith till now, just to study the word of God and make sure things are, are biblically lining up with the truth. That's why it bugs me when people say stuff like, you are God too. Anyway, so I'm not going to throw my microphone down and stomp my feet, but I don't like it. It just bugs me when people do stuff to scripture, like say there is no such thing as hell, that's the interpretation. And Anyway, whatever. So that was a culture of honor. And I think we're going to be able to narrow some things down here. So if we know Jesus intends for these gifts to equip the saints for the ministry, then we should try to understand the apostolic, okay? I think that this will help. I know I'm using a lot of other people's stuff, but hey, I'm a mailman. I don't have all week long to study every day. I get to listen to lots of podcasts and worship my guts out in the heat while I bring your bills and your jury summons. And your junk mail, more junk. That's all I ever hear. What kind of junk you got? Oh, yeah, junk, junk. Or where's my check? <laughs> got my package? Uh, by the way, your package uh, that was supposed to be delivered to me, you delivered it to the people a block away. So anyway, so there's a guy named Paul Manwaring. Now, if you had gone to any of the global legacy things over the last couple of years, I don't think anyone in here maybe... Anyway, Paul Manwaring was a part of the Bethel leadership team. He is a Brit. He's currently moved back to England, and he is, in a sense, like an ambassador to the, to the UK that Bethel has released him to go and, and just do what he does. He is very administrative, very apostolic-minded. Um, he's like the apostle Paul because his name's Paul. So anyway, we're going to take a look at a few things that he had to say. And we're going to wrap it up with this, I think. So let me make something clear. This does not summarize every aspect of what it means to be apostolic. I'm hoping that we can go in and out of this and not relay. I'm not going to try to relay a foundation every week. Um, So if someone's like, I'm totally lost, just say, listen to the podcast from whenever. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul had to say. The Apostle Paul Manwaring. He's about this tall, little ball guy with glasses, likes wine and good food, coffee. Coffee. Yeah. 
He said, and this was a Facebook post he had, so I was like, oh man, that is so good. I had to steal it. So he says, we are all apostolic. Just accept it now. I'm just gonna tell you, (laughs) you are apostolic. Not because there's an apostle in the house, but because you love Jesus and he is your apostle. And he intends to make you like him or apostolic. So being apostolic is a mindset that derives from being under the teaching and influence of an apostle. One of the goals of an apostle is to develop people to become apostolic. This is all pretty much ABCs right here. Jesus was the first apostle, Hebrews 3.1, which means under his teaching and influence, we become apostolic. So Paul had four points that he wanted to present to those of us who are on Facebook following his teaching. There's a handful of people. There's probably a few thousand people that um, were commenting and liking this thing. So what does it mean to have an apostolic mindset? If it's important to God for us to become like Jesus, to be apostolic, well, what does it look like? So number one, it would be transformation. And I'll just repeat, this is just Paul Manwaring's thoughts. Okay, this is not like the scriptures and this is the truth. I would say it's, it's true. But transformation, making earth more like heaven. The church should be pioneers in the area of change management. Now you can tell he's an administrator here. He's management. Heaven on earth is the assignment which includes two aspects. What is in earth that isn't in heaven and what is in heaven that isn't in earth. Don't switch it. We all know Jesus taught the disciples and us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on the earth. He didn't save you and then rapture rapture you out of here so that you wouldn't have to suffer and go through trials. He left you here with the power of Holy Spirit living inside of you that you can be his ambassador, you can be his sons and daughters, most importantly, but you can be his witnesses and his vessel to bring heaven into earth. It's all about who you carry. You are a temple of Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you, and he wants to break out of your life and into the the lives of those around you. He doesn't want to be trapped up and caged in inside of us. He wants to fling wide the gates. Actually, he wants you to fling wide the gates and let the king of glory come in. Who's the king of glory? <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> yes. It's part of our passion is seeing our cities transformed. So it has to start with us. He transforms us, and then we can go out and see others transformed in their, the whole city. Yeah. Yes. We'll talk about that over lunch today. There's a few of you that have some questions. And inner transformation is a big part of what we feel God has called us to do. He's brought hope to us. Our hope has been restored, and we want to be hope dealers. Hope dealers. That was stolen, too. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, number two, apostolic mindset is transformation. It's also increase. Increase. I just felt like the Holy Spirit moved on that word. Increase. Say it. Increase. Increase. (laughs) Sometimes you got to say it. You just got to speak it, right, Dave and Sharon? Yes. 
We declare, yes, increase, Isaiah 9, 7, of the increase of his government. It's gonna continue to expand and grow. It was never meant to shrivel down and, and like a plant dying, crumble to dust. Of the increase of his government or his kingdom, there will be no end. From the beginning of the whole story, we were meant to go out and multiply and subdue the earth. Subdue the earth. You are a kingdom carrier, and he has chosen you to represent him in the earth. So let's go on to number three. There's only two more. Cultural empowerment. Now, this is a good one. This is kind of helpful for getting a, an understanding of the background of the word apostle. The word apostle means sent one. I think most of us have heard that. Sent one. It was a Greek word used to describe an envoy who was sent by Rome to culturize. Now, that's British spelling there. I don't even, I couldn't find that word in the dictionary. Culturize. It's, it's British. It's, yeah, anyway. It's an envoy who was sent by Rome to culturize a conquered territory to create a home away from home. In other words, an apostolic people influence and shape their culture. When people walk into your house, they should feel that there's something different in the atmosphere here. There's something different about how you talk to your wife, how you talk to your kids, how you talk to your husband, how you, God forgive me, how you treat your neighbors or talk about your neighbors. I know my neighbors have dogs and they annoy me sometimes and so I kind of take it out on them verbally and I shouldn't, but God bless her and him. They're all around. I have dogs on every, I'm a mailman. I don't like dogs. Sorry. Sorry, Val. Your dogs are probably really sweet angels from heaven. Right, Mikey? They're her babies. Yes, spiritual puppies. She can prophesy to them and minister to them. So, Yes, an apostolic people influence and shape culture. So let's go on to the last part. Relational government. Aha. This is not about heavy-handed authoritarian structure that we've pulled from the business world where we have the president and the vice president and the treasury and all of these different, you know, it's not a corporate ladder and a pyramid. Relational government, apostolic mindset has a key and it's about relational government. Gathering around relationships, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, a triune being, perfect unity, perfect unity. I don't know what else to say. Their love for each other is undying. They are uncreated. They are our example of kingdom government. If there's perfect unity in heaven and perfect flowing between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's the kingdom that he wants released here on earth. Relationships, as, as opposed to doctrine, now that doesn't mean heresy, okay, but as opposed to doctrine or agreement, we don't have to agree on every part. There are, can you hold that? There are open-handed theological points and there are closed-handed theological points. This, I believe he's referring to the open-handed. Whether you believe in a rapture or you don't, doesn't make a difference because we're all gonna go there. Here, there, or in the air. Whatever. But there are some closed doctrine issues like the deity of Christ, the sufficiency of the atonement, 
the cross paid it all. You cannot add to his blood. There is nothing we can do. So those are, anyway, I'll, I'll get off of that because we're going to close here. So gathering around relationship versus doctrine or agreement. Unity through love. Just think about that. Meditate on it. Unity through love. Not obedience or adherence. It's not about coming under this apostle and he's going to tell you as your shepherd because he's from the shepherding movement and you must submit whether or not you're going to buy a house or a car or if you should ask him for permission if you can get married to that young lady. She's been a virgin for years. Now it's time for her to be married. That is not out of love. That's obedience and adherence. There's a word for it. It's kissing something. But the, the, the ring. It's kissing the ring. The Pope holds the ring out, and you bow down to the Pope, to the great apostle, and you kiss his ring. You plant your lips right on it. <laughs> I'm being a little naughty today. I'm feeling snarky. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, oh, put that back up just for a second, please. It's important. Um, it's there. No, 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 no. Um, oh, just that, you know, out of, everything needs to be out of love and out of relationship. And too many times I think people cross that line and want to be Holy Spirit <laughs> to people. And that is not what we're doing. We're not doing it. So, are you close? Okay. We're going to put a little ribbon on the top of this. So, to, to tie into what she just said, you know, we, we don't want to be the Holy Spirit in your lives. We're not going to manage everybody's sin. And I would encourage you not to manage everybody's sin because that is not what he called you to do. He called you to speak the truth in love Speaking the truth in love doesn't mean go pick that little splinter out of your, your brother or sister's eye when you got your own crud to deal with, okay? We all got stuff, but if we all are on the same road going the same place, we all need to reaffirm and convince each other of who you are because when we don't walk in our identity, when we don't walk as sons and daughters that are ruling and reigning in life, we need to change our perspective. I'm so thankful for Dave and Sharon when they, they've got a key that they've received and it's a very powerful key about knowing truth and declaring it. And we need to speak the truth in love and we need to see each other prophetically as the finished work that God sees because he's the one that calls the things that are not as though they are. He doesn't go after you and Say, yeah, but you got this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. You didn't read your Bible for 30 minutes every day last week. You didn't. You cussed at the dog or the cat. You cussed at your neighbor about their dog. He, he may convict you. He's, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but there is no condemnation. We are not a condemn. I got to say that carefully. We are not a condemnation. Condemnation. 
That sounds so weird. Cyril is laughing. I know what you're thinking. We are not a, a condemnation. We are a royal nation. A holy priesthood. A people chosen by God to declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his glorious light. So let's stand up. Let's stand up, guys. I want to. I don't want to cross the line and lose you. You all fall off the ship, just like in that movie *Adrift* that the Fitzies convinced us to go watch with them. <laughs> don't go see it. It's really sad. <laughs> oh gosh, *Adrift* for forty some days. Anyway, God did not call us to that. He doesn't want us to be just adrift out in a endless ocean unless that endless ocean is his love and his grace for you to grow in so let's pray father we just thank you so much thank you so much that you would trust people that you would trust us out of all people you would trust me you would trust her you would trust this room full of people to be stewards and carriers of your kingdom in your power, in your glory realm, that you would give us access, but you created us and you knit us together and you brought us into this world and you spoke destiny over each one of us. You placed a kiss on our foreheads when we were entering into this world and you, you breathed into our nostrils your breath of life. And we took that first breath, and I know that heaven started singing over us, that heaven was declaring and cheering and believing your dream for each one of us. So today, we just fix our gaze upon you. We turn our eyes up toward heaven, and we just look at you, Father, and we say thank you. Thank you for taking us in. Thank you for sending Jesus to rescue us. Thank you for Jesus going to the cross to, to get rid of this weight of sin and death. Thank you for the liberty and the freedom of the sons and daughters of God that you've given us. So today, we just set our focus on you and we, we commit to walking through this week ever more, ever increasing as your kingdom increases ever more increasing our desire and our focus on what you're doing and what you're saying, what you're trying to show us. We, we wanna set aside that part of our lives to devote ourselves to you and to take time, to take a moment to listen and to have fellowship with you. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that we don't have to strive, we don't have to do works to gain your pleasure because you just love us because we're your created sons and daughters, but we do want to draw close to you. We do want to know you more. So we just love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.